War Council. My name is Caleb Dillon. And I'm Phil Foreman. The War Council is a hobby-centered podcast for miniature enthusiasts. It's uh, January 13th, 2017, and this is the first podcast of 2017, our 42nd podcast in order. Uh, and you started joining me, I think, somewhere in the teens, maybe? Like around 15 or so? I thought, it, yeah, like 14 or 15. Yeah, so that's like, that's pretty good. That's like 30 podcasts together. Yeah. It's pretty good. Um, so you haven't killed me yet, so that's a good start. <laughs> yeah. We're still both here, so. So um, obviously it is now uh, 2017, um, for better or for worse, under a Trump presidency. Uh, and we're looking forward to our hobby year. Uh, we just finished up our, our, our break, so to speak, with the holiday. When you're uh, when you're a full-time commission artist, you don't really do breaks per se. It's not mm-hmm. like you're a teacher and you have holiday break, or like your job gives you two weeks off. It's or like, you even have like Columbus Day or off. What, or what? Yeah, or anything <laughs> like Martin Luther King Day coming up. Um, I mean, essentially, we work kind of all the time. I actually read this article in a magazine last night, which is completely unrelated to this, but it's a I, I was subscribed to a photography magazine, um, and basically one of the notes about it was that. The woman who wrote this article treated her business. She said, treat your business like a business, i.e. at 5 o'clock, turn off your computer, so mm-hmm. to speak, stop responding to emails, and, and you'll be happier. And I think that's a good idea in general. Yeah. Uh, but I think that from a practical standpoint, that doesn't really work. Like, no. ar- ours is not an eight-hour job. Not at all, no. Um, if you want to make money for the month, <laughs> you can't just be like, well, I got to live five by the o'clock. rules. <laughs> 5 o'clock, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but that's okay. Uh, regardless of which, the, the point of the article was good, uh, which was just to be healthy. So that should obviously be a goal for 2017. Speaking of uh, 2017, so lots of changes ahead, uh, lots of new stuff on the horizon. We're going to get into all that today. Before we jump ahead, though, I wanted to take a brief second because we forgot to do this on the last podcast, and I kind of regretted it. Uh, we do a lot of projects each year, probably mm-hmm. thousands if I uh, at a loose guess. Um, when you can't factor in stuff like eBay and small commissions and big stuff. So uh, we forgot to ask at the Christmas podcast what people's favorite model of 2016 was. Um, so while Philip and I sat here, I'm going to pose that question to you. Do you have, a, looking back at 2016, all the models we did, do you have one in particular that like springs out to you or maybe a couple that were your favorite projects of the year? Not just one model, but a, a project. We'll say projects. Yeah. I mean, last year was huge for me. So it was the first time I went, I went full-time um, as a commission painter. So... You know, it's like, <laughs> you remember your first love. You remember your first project that you did. Um, what was your first project? Was, it was the Cricks with me. Well, yeah. when I went full-time, though, my first, like, big project was really the uh, Dark Angels. Oh, yeah, that uh, army. That army has huge hits on YouTube. People really like that army. Oh, yeah? The Angels of Retribution. Yeah. yeah. So that, then there was the Space Vikings. But I guess the, um, not Space Vikings, excuse me. It was the Stormcast Eternals, which was a Viking theme. Um had nothing to do with space animal well he's from like um uh, he's from uh, i'm gonna denmark. get it wrong denmark yeah, yeah he's from denmark so we called it like vikings for a viking yeah because they're basically <laughs> they are kind of space vikings i yeah, mean they're, they're based they're, i mean they're kind of like new vikings like they're as guardian vikings mm. not like history channel vikings oh, not even close. yeah <laughs> there's no <laughs> they don't like reap and pillage yeah. they're more like the nice, happy Vikings yeah. of the Thor movies. Protectors of honor. And right. They live on the rainbow bridge and shit. <laughs> and like they're, they're surprisingly positive people <laughs> for, pi- for pillaging the galaxy. It's like gay Vikings. I mean, they do, but, well, it does, but they're not. I mean, that would be funny if, like, secretly Thor was gay. If, like, he had been, Didn't like... they do that for some of the superheroes? This is way off topic now, but... Well, sure, that's Some fine. of the superheroes, I think they, like, started making them... Well, a couple, they did have one or two, and I don't follow comic book stuff very often, but I did read something about that. Uh, yeah. And, like, a, I don't know, on a web 
website or something. And I was like, good for them. Like, yeah. absolutely. I'm okay with it as long as it's not recreating a hero just to say, like, for some purpose or something. Well, like, what if it was a hero who's been around for a while that was always gay, but he was closeted, and now he's coming out? Because when you say recreating, maybe he just never came forward. Maybe he's coming out. <laughs> okay. You know? I think the one they did it was, was Green Lantern. Uh-huh. And they constantly change. Like, the Green Lantern yeah. won't change because the ring goes on to someone else. So that uh, kind of makes see. sense. Okay. Like, all right, so it went to somebody who was gay. Okay. Yeah, sure. Whatever. That makes sense. But, yeah. That, that's fine. Interesting. But anyways, we're <laughs> coming back on topic. What we were trying to talk about was our favorite topics, not gay Green Lantern, apparently. <laughs> gay Lantern, <laughs> which is fine. By the way, like, I am 100% in favor of, of like, I'm not, I mean, I, I just, this sounds awful, but, like, I, I fully support every sexual preference. It's 100% fine. So I'm okay with Gay Lantern. Like, he, that's cool, man. That's cool. Like, it's fine. You can put on that ring. You can wear the ring anywhere you want. Like, <laughs> it's fine. Anyway, favorite favorite projects from 2016. I'd have to say the so it's, it comes down to a top three. Um, so we did the two huge armies with uh, the display boards. We had the Death Corps three, yeah, and then we had the Seraphim army, and yep. those were fantastic. Um, took a long time, but was the end results were fantastic. We were really happy with it. Um, for an individual model, I'd say probably my favorite is the Townar. Yeah. Um, so that's the Townar. He's referring to the Townar Ancient, as I like to call it. It's the, mm-hmm. the diamond-level piece we did at the end of the year, fully magnetized, epic-level basing, LED basing, yeah. uh, weathering. It's got kind of a, a story that goes along with him that Jonathan wrote. He's like – he's a pretty – he's an incredible piece. Yeah. 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 He turned out really nice and um, great for the portfolio. It just looks cool. and Yeah, it's a, it a pleasure. Good learning experience and everything. How about you? Um, you know, I was I kind of had a toss up. I th- I think that like when it boils down to it, I mean, I'm all any model I'm working on is usually my favorite of the moment. Mm-hmm. Like I just finished up this card show on night a couple days ago, uh, and that was like my favorite of that day because mm-hmm. it was <laughs> so fun. It but, looked good. It was very yeah, clean. but whenever I move on to like the next model, that's always my new favorite. But I think looking back, one of the things I always like the most is kit bashing. It's kind of what I love to do. So um, towards the end of the year, we had several orc models that were all kit-bashed. We had like an orc skiff for a Gorkamorka board that was a lot of fun. There was an Arachnorok that was looted, which was a, a blast. Mm-hmm. It was basically like an Arachnorok with like a – he was going to count it as a battle wagon or count it as a, a this or count it as a that. You know, so he, he was basically going to count it as anything that was sized appropriately for orcs. Yeah. Uh, and it was semi-modular. The base was decorative. It had like – this slaughtered imperial encampment on it so it was just a lot of fun yeah uh, and the guy let me really have some cre- anytime people let me have some creative freedom with it i really like to have some fun with it um but towards the end of the year i think that my favorite was probably the, the as you called it the black orc downs which was the <laughs> warcopter yeah. uh, which this guy hired us to do um one of our repeat clients he hired us to build kind of like a, a orc chopper a chopper basically mm-hmm. like a helicopter and um we based it on a a Black Hawk Down style helicopter, and the blades were removable, and it was fully kit bashed. And to be honest with you, it was one of those models that was kind of crazy because I, I just I knew when I got to it, I'm just going to have to bang it out in, in a couple days. And so like I started on it like at midnight one night, and just worked for hours and hours and hours, just bending and manipulating pieces till they all fit. Uh, and then yeah, it was just kind of done. And I was like, well, that's really. It's like it was one of these fast and furious things where I'm desperately searching for the piece and putting it on and. And like creative, your creative juices are flowing, but you're exhausted. It was just, just really cool. It's like kind of how I imagine an actual orc would build. Yeah, you know, like, it kind of oh. felt like that. You know, <laughs> like I was, I, I didn't want the creativity to stop, so I was desperately rooting around for pieces, 
Um, and I like I use a heat gun to 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 warp stuff a lot. Mm-hmm. Like it's kind of one of the things I like to do to bend stuff. So I was just like, you know, if my wife had come into the garage, there's like the smell of cigarette smoke. There's a, a blow dryer. Basically, I'm bending stuff. I was probably like half, you know, drunk at that. Point. It was just right. Stuff. Yeah, it was just like it was crazy, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, anytime I get to kit match something, it's a lot of fun like that. All right, so um, moving right along, I wanted to pose a question because I, I realized that working with you for a long time, I've never actually asked you this. Mm-hmm. So I read a long time ago that um, painters are, are uh, you have metallic paint, which yeah. has metallic flakes in it. Uh, and I realized I'm the only one in our group that does this. And someone told me that you should separate your metallic water pots and you should separate your metallic brushes. The idea is that flakes from your metallic paints will get into your brush and you can't get it out mm-hmm. no matter what you do. So eventually, sooner or later, you'll uh, you'll paint something and a metal flake will be somewhere you don't want it to be. And so the idea is, as a good painter, we're obviously trying to control everything. And so, now in a practical sense, having two sets of brushes, two water pots, and remembering which are which is hard. Yeah. I, I've separated my water pots, but I haven't separated my brushes. And I was just curious, not only if other listeners do that, but I'm pretty sure you guys don't. I was just sort of curious, mm-hmm. do you guys do that? No. Do you have an all. opinion about it? Um... Like talking about moving forward in 2017, setting hobby goals and good hobby practices moving mm-hmm. forward, it occurred to me, I was like, I wonder if people do this or, frankly, if you think they should or shouldn't do it. I've never had an issue with it. Um, I use the same water pot for regulars and metallics. No difference there. Um, I use the same brushes for both as well. So, But do you ever look in your water pot and see like a sheen on the water oh, yeah. from metal? I definitely see that. Yeah. But I always, I mean, as long as you're cleaning your brushes properly, like mm-hmm. I've never had an issue where i see metallic flake in the paints and stuff mm-hmm. and i've now the issue i run into is when you're airbrushing metallics which i like to do a lot especially when you're like storm cast for instance sure. or primarily gold so you there's a lot of uh airbrushing for it metallics. certainly helps to lay down mm-hmm. yeah. that stuff gets everywhere like mm-hmm. i had to make sure there's a clear perimeter of like a foot or two for like any other models or i'll find flakes yeah. on models that were a foot away yeah. so um, that's and that has more to do with like the when you airbrush metallic paints, the metallic flakes essentially act mm-hmm. like shrapnel, basically, and they kind of just go everywhere. It's like dust, yeah, yeah. and it settles on the miniatures around it. So you got to be very careful with that. But I have that trouble with white. I mean, some airbrush paints are, are better and some are worse. And white's mm-hmm. one of those ones that's like it, it just I always struggle with it because it's like the white's pigments a paint. are yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's speckles and stuff everywhere. Yeah. But speckles is a good word for yeah. it. But I even I've even had instances where like metallic flakes will get into I use a wet palette and sometimes they'll get into the water yeah and kind of spill over and I don't even care like, okay it's it really doesn't create that much of a well problem. I was just curious I'd certainly be curious to see if any of our listeners have an opinion about it mm-hmm. um, it it might be just sort of a preference thing but once in a blue moon I feel like I I'll paint something and I'll see like a tiny fleck of metal where I don't want it to be not a fleck of metal but mm-hmm. a, a a fleck of shine where I'm like well that shouldn't be shiny why is that there. Hmm. Um, and maybe it's just me being persnickety, but I just I just kind of wondered if any other people do that out there. Um, okay, well uh, we are going to take a brief break, and we're going to jump in with uh, on the painting desk right after this. Hey guys, it's Caleb with War Council. Are you a purveyor of stuff? Are you an entrepreneur with something to preneur? Do you sell things related to tabletop gaming, painting, or some other aspect of the miniatures hobby? Would you like to advertise to like at least three listeners a show? Then you've come to the right place. 
War Council has a limited number of sponsorship slots available. Each slot guarantees you a banner ad on the White Metal Games website, and we're at like 300 likes on Facebook right now, so clearly at least 300 people can be bothered to click the like button at some point in time in their lives. For $20 a month, we'll promote you and your products on the show. For $10 more, you can have an entire 30-second commercial. Like this one, only, you know, better and more relevant and stuff. Email us at info at for more information, and until you do, put your manies where your mouth is. We're going to jump into On the Painting Desk. Um, so, obviously with uh, the new 2017, we're still I'm still kind of finishing up a few last projects from 2016, um, so I'm going to kind of start this off. Um, so, for whatever reason, everybody and their mom booked a night in December uh, with us. Like, we had... <laughs> four nights well we technically we had three nights booked and we had one uh that i'm doing as a gift for a friend so really it was only three nights but that's still a lot for one for one month that's pretty crazy um and we had kind of like when the renegade came game came out the nights were popular again we were doing that renegade went off the shelves and now people are back to it being expensive because it's it's not a cheap kit it's 160 bucks retail you can't get them anymore no they stopped they stopped selling them really yeah yeah, I mean, you can still see like there's a GW store in the area that had two on the shelf last time I was there. Yeah, but it's the only way you can get them now is to buy them from the. There's no longer the distributors don't have them anymore. You can't get them on the website. Huh. Yeah. So they stopped selling. I mean, it was a cool idea on their part to boost sales, and they yeah. did. And then I think after a while they're like, "Well, we're good. We don't need to." Well, apparently they had a really good year, or I guess quarter maybe. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't a full year. It's like either half year or quarter, but. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, GW apparently is doing better now. So That's good. Well, things. I like the new direction. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, I like all this. Like, I, I saw an article this morning on the contents for Gangs of Kimura, um, and I'm, I'm mm-hmm. really excited about that one. I think that one looks cool. It's kind of like a dark Eldar version of, like, Gorka Marka. Yeah. It's like they're all flying around, shooting at each other. It just looks fantastic. Yeah. they got to find some way to sell those Hellions. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like the Hellions? I, it's not that I don't like the models. Uh-huh. They're terrible in game. Oh, really? They're, they're useless. Well, maybe in the maybe kind of like in in uh, like in Imperial Knight Renegade, for example, you don't actually. I mean, you kind of use knight stats, but it's like it's mm-hmm. different. It's like they have like snap fire shots, and they have all these different uh, rules. It's it's a pretty simple system, but mm-hmm. it's not like you take your knight and I take my knight and we just square off and see right. who wins. It's like a lot of that game is based on. Do you want to do a shot on the run, or do you want to take time to aim? And so that manipulates how well your your so hit. It's an actual strategic fight between it, it is. a knight. Yeah, and a knight it is. Man. I mean, essentially, like the idea is that you're evenly matched, so to speak. But rather than just having two like rock and sock and robots beat each other, like their goal was like, let's actually put a little strategy here and have mm-hmm. you like play outside the box. So, for example, Gangs of Kimura, I saw they had what looked like uh, kind of like one of those templates where you. It's kind of like X-Wing where they have like your, um, I wouldn't say range template, that's not right, but direction maybe, directional okay. template. So like if you want to do like uh, a sudden shift of direction, I think, that maybe oh. they'll have a maneuver roll or something. Cool. Um, but I thought it was cool. I mean, it, essentially like it, 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 it's, it's a competitor for those sorts of games, mm-hmm. um, which I really liked. Yeah, very nice. So... Um, anyway, so for me, this winter has all been all about the knights. Uh, I recently, as I mentioned earlier in the show, I finished up a shark knight or a carcharchidon. Car- I think that's Carcadon. the right word. Carcadon. Yeah, I've never Carcadon. got. The, I don't know the right pronunciation for it, but it's a lot of fun. The Hawaiian knight. Um, I'm also doing a house. I want to say Cadmus is the name. It's the green and yellow. So I think it's a house okay. Cadmus knight. 
Um, they're they're kind of like he's one of the official pictures. Like when you look at like oh, one okay. of the boxes, yeah, yeah. I always think he's Salamanders. <laughs> right? Yeah, but yeah. yeah. Um, I feel like he's more he's more like Dark Angels than Salamanders, because um, he's I mean he does have green and yellow, but it's like a Dark Angels green, not a Salamanders green. But uh, I don't know. Teaches him. Um, and then finally, an Ultramarines Knight to round it up, um, which I, I thought was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually kind of struggle with Ultramarine Blue. I, I, I only have the only blue I found that works for it for me is Reaper. They have a version of it called Ultramarine Blue, which I really like. Um, blues are always tricky, in my opinion. Yeah. Like I always, I don't the GW blues as I like them, but I end, I've ended up going more towards Vallejo now mm-hmm. with using like we almost exclusively use like Signal Blue mm-hmm. and dark sea blue and then we mix in things like magenta or something to yeah. help give it some more purple or something it's just a lot of those colors are just straight pigment from gw yeah and they're just they don't look natural so i think in the end you're always like ah, something's not quite right yeah no I, I would tend to agree with you in that regard i just recently finished up a space wolf battle force and i used vallejos on that and came out i mean fine for a tabletop level project the blues just looked nice so i didn't have to like fumble with like citadel air containers or anything like that yeah. i could just simply use the dropper bottles which oh, i'm a fan of yeah. um and i'm also working on a custom um corn night for a friend of mine uh, for a birthday presents he's got a, he's a chaos player so he's a chaos undivided player but i wanted a corn themed night so i'm kit bashing some bits from the leftover berserker kits and lord of battle kits uh, onto his night so it'll have some aspects of corn but it'll also have some aspects of chaos undivided so it'll be a black and red color scheme it'll be a lot of fun um yeah and that kind of wraps it up for me oh i have one other weird project these i have a female wolfen project on my desk so this guy uh he he's a repeat client he's a nice guy and and uh he's just he likes his stuff a little off a little bit a little weird yes uh, like he called himself like a special i don't know he had a weird word for it he's like because i'm a special child or something like that but i I think the (laughs) idea is that he just he likes his stuff to be different yeah um so he wanted some female wolfen so basically i've sculpted some boobs Right. And uh, added like female heads. The only female heads I could find that I liked were from the Dark um, Eldar range, like the, yeah. the witches and the Cavalite. Or actually, like it might have been the Cavalite. No, it wasn't the Cavalite. It was like females. It was the, the Hellion Riders or something. The, yeah, I think some yeah. Hellions did too. But they had the Dark female heads. Pretty good ones. They were okay because they have kind of like fangs and stuff, like the Hellions mm-hmm. do at least. They look pretty primal. Yeah. Um, so that actually worked out kind of well. Although the heads are just a the hair's braided bit. too, yeah. which also kind of gives that Vikingish kind of feel. Yeah, I was kind of calling them Wolf and Shield Maidens because he gave them all shields and thunder hammers. That's um, kind of cool. It's not bad. It's a cool idea. Yeah. Like, Although I've been struggling with the bodice, so I've been trying to like. I was showing Dennis the other day. I grabbed like some tiny shields and I'm kind of like putting them on their on their boobs to kind of create like body armor, hmm. sort of like. Because with Sisters of Battle, for example, which is fantastic by the way when you look at their their female armor they actually have like i mean i guess the equivalent would be like a metal brassiere is the best way to put it yeah they're kind of like spiky and pointy kind of like madonna you know yeah. circa 1985 the i don't think they did that with the new celestine did they I think well they i think she's got metal. metal armor for sure yeah like, i mean i think she's got but it's not spiky it's just like i don't know well i don't i don't think it's as spiky but this stuff was like 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 none like hardcore nun spiky back in the day <laughs> oh, yeah. like you know bitter nun like well you know just just what you think of when you think of like a, a tough nun uh-huh. this is what you think of with sisters <laughs> of battle 
Yeah. Not that I was I wasn't raised Roman Catholic. I have nothing against nuns or anything like that. But just like when nun I think hater. of like <laughs> what a nun would be in the forty first millennia, mm. I always think of like any of those like bitter crotchety nuns from the eighties films with a gun, <laughs> you know? Because there was a lot of them. Yeah. Like for whatever reason in the eighties there was a lot of films with crotchety nuns. Like yeah. it was a thing. Yeah, that stereotype for some reason. Yeah. Even though they're generally very sweet. Yeah, well, I guess I don't. We know. love our nun listeners. <laughs> yeah. Do we have nun listeners? I don't know. Please. Be, we just alienated awesome. both of them. Nah, like the they're probably two. sisters of battle players. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> All right, well, what's on your painting desk at the moment? We've got quite a lot. Um, <clears throat> so we're working on um, a dark iron skin. Uh, so that's an ogre on a juggernaut. Um, everything's being a lot of heavy kit bashing, a little bit of sculpting. Um, and this was based on a model that... Dave Taylor. Taylor, yeah. So Gark Ironskin is an ogre character, but he never had a proper model. Mm -hmm. So he was in he was one of those rule book models that never actually had a figure. Mm -hmm. So Dave built a model, I feel like in the nineties. Uh yeah, it's the back, old it was back in the day. Yeah. Um, so at that time that was the modern juggernaut. So he did that and he kind of made this iron beast, which is sort of like a mechanical I think a mechanical rhinox would be the best way to call it. Yeah. Because that's what it's meant to emulate is is a metal rhinox. Mm -hmm. So you're basically building it to sort of matches. Yeah, as close as possible. So it's um it's been a bit of a challenge, but um, we're almost there. So that should be wrapping up soon. Um, we I don't I don't think people fully appreciate that when you because we get this a lot from clients. They'll say they'll send us a picture of something and they'll say, "Can you match this?" And the thing mm -hmm. is, is with kit bashing and a conversion in general, your bit back your your kit your bits box is always changing. It's yeah. never the same because you use a bit one time and it's gone. And you may get that bit again, but for the most part, like, you know, kit bashing, the whole nature of it is using what you have on hand. That's mm -hmm. kind of the basic idea. So to match someone's work from literally, you know, almost two decades ago yeah. with bits from our modern bits boxes is pretty challenging. Yeah. And in this case, the client, uh, this is a nostalgia piece for him. He's trying to like, you know, he, he wants it to be as close as possible. So we always tell clients, it's like, look, we're gonna we're gonna try, we're gonna do our best, but in these in most cases, it's hard. Yeah. Um, so just keep that in mind out there. If you're if you have a piece like that, don't get. What happens is people get married to an idea. They find a picture online. This happens a lot with work stuff because there's this one guy out in like Bristol who did. He's like a GW game store owner, and he did this orc, this looted orc, whatever it was. And he loaded up so many guns on this thing, like 40 or 50 guns. <laughs> yeah, I think I see that. People have contacted me about this model so many times. And every time I, I every time it comes up, I tell them like I won't even begin to attempt it for less than like five or six hundred dollars. Yeah. Because the number of bits on that thing are so ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, now if they want me to do like a version of it with like what we have on hand, now we're talking. Uh, but we're we're kind of off topic here. The point is that like with kit bashing, you know, it's unique. That's the whole idea is that it's never going to be the same twice. Dave couldn't recreate that model. Probably you know? not. I, well, half the bits we can't even figure out where they came from. So right. it's a lot of custom stuff. But um, So that's that's one big project. We're kind of a medium-sized project. We're also working on um, there's a another Space Hulk. Um, yeah, this Space Hulk. the third Electra. one in basically like a month. Yeah. So because you guys did one for a, a private commission, mm -hmm. and then you had a silver level with with one of our clients, and now an electric level. Yeah. And the other one, your private one, was gold. So we yeah. literally had, I mean, essentially, essentially close yeah, to yeah. that. So like silver level, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So we get the full ranges there. Um, they same client also built the Assassinorium, so we're doing Space Hulk and Assassinorium for them. Um, 
Now that's the Assassin's game that came out last year, mm-hmm. which frankly, this I'm surprised we never got any commissions on it till now. Yeah, I think people really bought it for the Assassins. They really mm-hmm. didn't. Everything else in the game's like it's cultists and even the Chaos Marines. Unfortunately, are really old Chaos sure. Marines with yeah. like the snap hit ones. Right. So it wasn't um, a stellar savings kit. You weren't getting a lot of models that you really needed. But the new wanted, the new Assassins were pretty great. The Assassins are great. Yeah. Right. So. Um, and then, last but not least, is a Twilight Sisters project that we're working on. That's fantastic. Um, so this is the Forest Dragon. Like the Wood mm-hmm. Elves had a Forest Dragon character, specifically mm-hmm. two characters mounted on a unique Forest Dragon. Correct. And yeah. now we're basically recreating it using modern bits, modern sculpts. Yeah, it's so a completely. So the dragon is based on the Carmine Dragon from Forge World. Eagle is from the. Uh, the Hobbit, the Hobbit range, range. Yeah. yeah, which are great eagles, by the mm-hmm. way. They're really, yeah, really nice. Good. They're plastic. They're good size. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So a lot of uh, custom stuff on that too. Um, now, the in this case, the client stuff. wants them to be uh, modular, right? Magnetized, so or somehow transferred from the eagle to the dragon and mm-hmm. vice versa. So that's a challenge in itself because you got scales versus feathers and trying to figure out where to put their feet and their dainty little feet being magnetized. So, but. We should be uh, having some new pictures on that probably in the next week Yeah, it's moving so. right along. So. One of the nice things about that project, we're going to get into it in our next segment, is that we used we swapped the wings out with them, the wings from the Archaon figure, mm-hmm. which are just much, much bigger. Way bigger. Yeah. Way bigger. So it really makes it, it – this is really an evocative centerpiece now. Mm-hmm. Like this will de- be definitely a great centerpiece for this client's army. For sure. Uh, moving yeah. forward. And he's an 8th edition player, so he's still rocking out Wood Elves. Like old wood elves, not mm-hmm. the new version, like the wanderers or whatever they call them. Yeah. But um, these are like traditional eighth edition wood elves, full on leafy goodness, like all that. Um, <laughs> and this will be a really nice piece moving forward for him. Yeah, I think it's gonna be pretty exciting. So, and then and this is the same client that's uh, commissioned us to do the Seraphim project too. So yeah, he's actually fantastic. becoming one of our one of our regulars. Mm-hmm. I mean, with the Seraphon project before that, he did a, a, a Tomb Kings Hyro Titan, mm-hmm. which I did, which was a lot of fun. Um, and they've they've talked you know we've talked to him briefly about you know like maybe possible terrain projects for his gaming club down the road, so yeah he's he's definitely a return or a repeater, mm-hmm. which is always nice. Um, okay, so lots of stuff going on, on our desk. Um, we've got plenty to do this month, so in the next podcast we'll have lots more to chat with you guys about. We're gonna take a quick second break and we're gonna jump in with a new segment called leftovers right after this. Need a model assembled or painted but no money to spare? White Metal Games is now offering trade-ins. Send us pictures of your old models, bits, boxes, even new kits. Make us an offer we can't refuse. Don't like negotiating and haggling? White Metal Games also offers consignment services. You can send us your old models, books, games to sell. We sell them through our eBay store and you pocket 55% of the sales price. You don't have to worry about eBay fees, PayPal fees, shipping fees... There's no crazy percentages, just easy money. Contact us at info at whitemetalgames.com today. We're going to jump into a new segment uh, today called The Leftovers. And this kind of came about because um, with a lot of projects we do, uh, well, let me back up a little bit. So um, a lot of times the, the kits that are put out by companies are specific to the games they play, i.e., if in a game a, a unit has 10 models, they sell a box with 10 models. Mm-hmm. That's pretty pretty much normal, but it doesn't always work out that way. Sometimes they uh, a client will want like 15 models in a unit, or they'll want special weapons that you only get a couple per box. And so what happens is we have to buy extra boxes a lot of times, and yeah. we have to set on these 
these leftovers for a long time. So in some cases, we have bunches of leftovers and we don't know what to do with them. Sometimes they come in handy, but a lot of times they just set. And we're going we're gonna to talk about some of the options down the road. But one of the things we're going to propose now uh, in this leftover segment is that we've got various leftovers in-house that would be great for a project, but we don't actually know what to put it on. We're not going to just waste it. We don't want to set on it. Um, so in this case, for example, what we're going to talk about is three different projects that we have leftovers on that if there's a client out there looking to commission a piece, they may want to touch base with us about what we have literally in our bits box uh, in, in sort of big ways. So let's, let's start off with Archaon. Um, yeah. So Archaon is, is a big figure from the GW range. He's sort of like their version of Abaddon. He's uh, mounted on a huge, like, I guess Dragon of the End Times, three heads, giant wings. I think it's actually supposed to be the horse that he rode in the first one. That's and now awesome. transformed into this thing. I guess it can take like multiple shapes. That's really cool. I didn't it's know taking that. the shape of this dragon. Yeah. Well, um, regardless of which, it's, it's a huge model. And mm -hmm. we used the wings on the Twilight Dragon, Twilight Sister Project we talked about in the previous segment. But we still have the body left. Yeah. Uh, so to essentially we've got do. what to do. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, now I've got lots of ideas and yeah. I could certainly put it to use without any hesitation. But before I do that, I thought I would reach out mm -hmm. to our client base and see if there's anyone out there that wants to commission something. If they've looked at the Archaon body before and they've been like, oh, man, I would really love to see it turned into a chaos, chaos mutalith beast or a slaughter brute or mm -hmm. a, a bloodthirster. Or I saw there was this one guy who has a website called Arclight. And he built a Kairos Fate Weaver using an Archaon body. It was like the biggest Fate Weaver you've ever seen. It was really cool. Um, so we've got a lot of extra pieces in that kit. We have the whole kit minus the wings. Yeah. So there's a lot we could do with it. So if there's anyone out there that's interested, and we're not selling it. We're not interested in selling the kit. We're interested in commissioning the kit. So if someone wants to commission us to do something with it, now's a perfect opportunity. Um, we could do a big Chaos Spawn. We could do a big... I mean, really, the, the sky the, the sky's the yeah, limit on really, that one. There's so many different things. Everything, yeah, the, the arms and legs or everything is still there. So, and the head options you can yeah. do narrow it down to one. You can make a Zinch guy or yeah, yeah. you could do a lot with them. Um, all right, so we've got that. We also have from the same project we mentioned we bought a Hobbit eagle. So the Hobbit eagles you get two in a box. Mm -hmm. We used one for the Twilight Sisters, but we have another one. Um, so we could definitely use that. We could use the wings for like some sort of large winged model. Feathered wings of that scale are nice. Yeah. We could use the eagle itself and do like a, a dragon prince for like a high elf army. We could do, um, I don't know, there's, there's really a lot you could do with that. Um, we could do a fantasy piece, some sort of like, uh, I don't know, if someone had like a character that rides a giant eagle in an RPG game, we could do something with that. Um, so that'd be a lot of fun. Uh, and then finally, um, wrapping up some of our leftovers right now, we've got three Iron Guts from the Gark project earlier. Yeah. So you buy Iron Guts in boxes of four. These are ogres. They're heavily armored ogres is, is really the best way to describe them. They use massive two-handed weapons for the most part. So they're, they're just tough. Um, and I could easily see these guys being used for, like, um, chaos ogres mm -hmm. or use them for, um, uh, like, what do you call those guys in the Imperial Guard regiments that are the big... Bulgrin, Ogrins. Yeah. You could usually yeah. use them for Ogrins in a Renegade Chaos Army. We had a project I was hoping we were going to get from a Renegade player that didn't matriculate, that I thought this would be perfect for those. I'm sure they could be used in Blood Bowl, too. Probably. Yeah. Well, one. there is, actually. That's a good right. point. There are, well, I mean, there definitely are some of those bigger figures in some of those armies. So, yeah, if a Blood Bowl guy wanted to commission a Blood Bowl project, we could use an Ogre for your Ogre in that or convert it into a troll, maybe. I don't know. We've got some fun with it. 
It's a cool kit. It's the first time I've ever gotten to work with one. Yeah. They've got little grots, too, with them that yeah. are, like, carrying, like, maces and stuff. Which yeah, is the awesome. Nozlars. Yeah, they're a lot of fun. They kind of remind me of um, from the Willow – not Willow uh, – from Labyrinth. Yes. They remind me of the, the <laughs> yeah. goblins from that. They're more yeah, comical. They I love them. Um, whereas, like, I think the, the grots from uh, 40K are more, like, malicious. Yeah. Like, they'd murder like, you in your sleep. Yeah. yeah. Whereas these guys just seem kind of confused. Yeah. Like they're not <laughs> sure why they're fighting. <laughs> Um, uh, in addition to that, we've also have um, leftover from our Seraphon project last year. We've got a lot of Cold One Nights, um, ironically. Like the, the start collecting Seraphon box comes with Cold One Nights. And you get, I think, five or six. So we have around 10 right now. So if someone okay. wanted to do some Cold One Saurus Calvary, we could rock it out, man. Yeah. We've, got, we've got the models for it. Although I think that people generally don't like that model. The. Um, the cold ones, I feel like they went all out on the Dark Elves cold ones. And oh, yeah, they're, they're awesome. the cold ones are really, but the Dark Elf ones are really nice. Yeah, and they just kind of went lame on, they had the, such a better I think that they were going for a different serum. look, you know. They, they wanted I, it to be yeah. unique to them. I see the, the distinction that yeah. you'd want to create, but at the same time, like, one looks like an actual raptor, the other one looks like a cow. Yeah. <laughs> like, what's it's not, going on? I mean, I think if they were going for something more like, I don't know. I don't know a good dinosaur that would have been a good cold one stand-in. Nor do I know why they even need to be the same. Like, I mean, these are guys that ride dinosaurs. They, there's surely there's another dinosaur mm -hmm. about the size of cavalry out there that would have been a fun like. Like, what if they did like, um, what's the guy with the, the fin on his neck? On his neck, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, from from, from um, Jurassic, Jurassic Park. Park, the one who spits. Yeah. Give it like a ranged attack or something yeah. like that. Um, that it started with a D. Duh, yeah. duh, I don't know. Dermaphidite. <laughs> Dermaphidite? That is definitely <laughs> That's not, not what it's called. <laughs> it's probably close, though. Yeah, Something ite at the end. Duh, duh. God, it's on the tip of my tongue. I can't think of it. Yeah. All right. Well, kudos to anyone out there who knows what, which dinosaur I'm talking about. Dilophosaurus! Dilophosaurus. That's it. Sorry. It had, I had to think about the way that he said it in the recording. Because they talk about it in the car. We're way off topic now, but that's okay. <laughs> I don't remember that. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to jump in with Service Spotlight and talk about our upcoming Magnus the Red contest right after this. Let's be honest. You'd rather be playing than painting. Let White Metal Games take the hassle out of painting and assembling your miniatures. We have a team of dedicated professionals who will make sure your miniatures stand out on the tabletop. Contact us at info at whitemetalgames.com. White Metal Games. Put your minis where your mouth is. We're going to jump into Service Spotlight, uh, and tonight we're going to talk about our Magnus the Red contest. Um, so we talked about this briefly in the last podcast, mm -hmm. and we finally got all of our decks in a row, and now we're able to fully announce all everything about the contest. So uh, briefly, as a reminder, Denny Franks, one of our in-house artists, generously offered to paint up a Magnus the Red from the Thousand Suns range, and he did it up in his traditional pastel color scheme. Uh, looks great, nice looking model. Yeah. Uh, we consider it to be about Electrum level by our standard, so a Tabletop Plus standard. So it's uh, it's a good model. Uh, Value-wise, with the, between the kit and the painting, we value it around $360. Uh, and we're giving it away uh, for free. Here's the way it works. You go to whitemetalgames.com slash contests, with an S, plural, and you'll take, be taken to our contest page. You can also find that page under links on the, the home page. So if you hover over links, you'll see a, a pull down for contest. Go to it right there. Um, on the page, you'll see a link to the Magnus the Red contest, and you have to basically click to agree on the terms and conditions, which are very, very simple, laid forward. Uh, they're, pretty, they're pretty simple. I won't really get into them here, 
but essentially, you know, uh, anyone can win, no purchase necessary to buy, can't be a relative or employer of White Mill Games, and you have to be over 14. Those are the big ones. Um, there's also certain countries we can't ship to, so like, you know, sorry, North and South Korea, you can't, no one can enter there. <laughs> if uh, we have any North Korean listeners, what if Kim Jong-un was listening? That would be amazing. How, <laughs> I would totally, I would totally, ex- I, I don't know, if we got a commission from him, would we take it? Like, it'd be dangerous not to, right? I don't know. Yeah, yeah maybe we could like, I think we'd the, have to. FBI would contact yeah, us, like sneak in like a bomb or something within like a Titan. <laughs> 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 my my wife is surprisingly like paranoid about some of the stuff I search for for gaming because uh-huh. sometimes it's weird stuff uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and and she's pretty convinced that Big Brother is going to knock on her door one day because like sometimes I'll be searching for like snake lizard like bomb or something or whatever yeah. it doesn't matter like the the terms I have to look up on Google are just pretty out there uh, <laughs> so like whatever it doesn't matter but uh, anyway uh, so whitemetalgames.com slash contest Magnus the Red click on the terms and conditions you have to agree all you have to do to enter is basically put your name and your email and that's really it now there are some follow-up questions that we would ask you to um, fill out they're pretty much exactly what you think they would be it's stuff like what games do you play what are your favorite systems one of the questions is what studio armies do you think we should do next for the studio for both 40k and Age of Sigmar uh, one of the questions is in regards to Titan Rentals, if you'd be interested in that service. And the final questions are about tandem commissions, which are group commissions. And that's basically where you get a discount for being a part of a commission uh, in a group. So like, let's say with Death Watch, for example, if we had 10 or 15 people that wanted to commission Death Watch, then we give a discount to the whole group for commissioning at the same time. Uh, so that's kind of one of the newer things we're going to try in 2017. So you answer whichever one of those questions you want to answer. You don't have to answer any of them, frankly. All you have to do is sign up for our newsletter and, and subscribe. And that's really it. You just enter three basic answers, name, first and last email. That will subscribe you to our newsletter, and it gets you entered into our contest. Um, you can later, uh, if you so choose, um, remove yourself from the newsletter. But for the sake of the contest, you have to be entered at the time of the contest to win. So don't remove yourself, uh, at least until the contest is over with. Um, So the contest is running January 15th to February 15th. We will do the announcement. uh, Well, the announcement's coming out on Spikey in the next day or two. Mm -hmm. By the time this podcast airs, it will already have been up. Um, And you can find out more about that on our website. But the contest will wrap up on February 15th, where we will draw one random uh, winner. Um, And we're expecting this to be a much bigger contest than last time. Yeah, last time it didn't work out so well. But last time we only had like 10 entries. Yeah. Uh, and this time through social media, we've been pushing it out. We've already had like 70 people sign up for the newsletter just in the last couple of weeks. That's awesome. So my my instinct is this contest will probably get like a 500 to 1,000 entries. That'd be wonderful. Um, and from the early standings, what we've already seen is there's a lot of interest in Titan Rentals, surprisingly. There's a lot of interest in TANF commissions. We've had bunches of people sign up already. Hmm. So this is this is going to be pretty neat. I'm excited to see where this goes. And someone out there will win a painted Magnus the Red just for participating. Yeah. Um, so it's pretty neat. Excellent. Um, and we went Cyclops with them. So if you were thinking about which which eye did we use, we did the one. We, did. we just did the one. So oh, one eye. That's how it is. Um, all right. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to jump in with Tips on Technique right after this. Are you a tabletop-quality painter in the Raleigh area with 10 hours or more a week to spare? Have you ever thought about becoming a commissioned painter before, but you weren't sure it was right for you? White Metal Games is looking for talented painters in the Raleigh area to join our studio team. You're paid by the job, not by the hour, so you can paint at your own pace. 
Send us pictures of your painted models to info at whitemetalgames.com, and we just might be interested in speaking with you. Put your minis where your mouth is. We're going to jump into tips on technique tonight. Uh, we're talking about 2017, new goals, new changes, and uh, just in general, kind of the stuff we're excited about this year, stuff we want to do, things we want to launch, and um, just kind of where things are going. Um, so I, I guess... You know, to start with, we think back about where we were last year at this time. Mm -hmm. Last year at this time, you had a, a normal job, so yep. to speak. You were working at like a telemarketing company, sales for yeah. office supplies. Right, right, right. <laughs> you were you were kind of the gem of uh, that oh, office, God, I suppose. Was, yeah. uh, actually, I don't think you were the gem of the office because I kept asking if there were cute girls there, and you kept saying no. There was well, no Pam-like girl there. Un yeah, unfortunately, my sister-in-law, um, and there's only like one other girl there, and both of them were in relationships, so I, you know. Plus, one's your sister-in-law. Yeah. That would have been kind of awkward for your brother. Yeah, well, yeah. Now she's my sister-in-law. At the time, <laughs> okay. she wasn't. Sure. Oh, that's how you got the job. I didn't know that. Or she gave you an I gave her the job. Oh, uh, look at that. I recommended oh, her. Very good. Yeah. So um, that was going on last year at this time, and then you came to work for me full-time in, like, uh, April, I think? Uh, it was March. March. Okay. Mm -hmm. So um, so it's it's been a pretty different place, yeah, I, th yeah. I think. 100%. So now that we've got more going on, more projects, and frankly, more bodies, we can we can try more. Mm -hmm. We can attempt to do things we weren't able to do last year. Um, so we've set up some goals for ourselves this year, and these are some of the things we're looking to do. Um, so we're just going to kind of go down the list and, and sort of talk briefly about each one. Um, so first off, terrain. Uh, terrain's been something we've been talking about getting into for a while. Now, we kind of dabbled in this with the display boards. Yeah. So we, we, with the display boards, we got to do some modular terrain, but they weren't, uh, I mean, they're not, I mean, they're terrain, but they're like two-sided terrain. They're not meant to be played on a 360. No, 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 right. Um, so they were good for corner pieces, but not necessarily good for like in-game pieces. Mm -hmm. um, so what we want to get into coming up this year is terrain. We're going to launch a, a service page on that. We've done some terrain in the past. We did a Valhalla terrain set to match the Stormcast army. We've done some assorted pieces here and there, but nothing, nothing big, nothing like a full-on board. So that's one of the things we're looking to get into next. Um, do you, you, when you did the Seraphon and the, and the Krieg boards, how, uh, I mean, the, the terrain was a huge part of it. Right. It was like, the board was half the, the battle, for sure. Right, right. And, and, and are, there's some arguments to be said more. I would say more. more. Yeah, yeah, definitely more. Um, so did you enjoy building the terrain and painting it and all that kind of? Yeah, yeah, it was a challenge to try and figure out how everything was going to work together. Um, you mean to, like, fit it into the confined spaces? And yeah, uh, make sure that we, like, the pieces themselves worked with the models, because everything has to be fluid. Everything needs to, uh, I guess, aesthetically, it needs to make sense. Now, on um, a regular terrain board, you have less restrictions that way. Well, you're not trying to pose an army. Right. So, yeah, whenever you have, you're trying to get the miniatures and the environment to all mix and, and work together. Um, it pre creates a, a huge challenge. So now there's a lot of services out there that do commission work. There's a lot of services out there that do some terrain, but I feel like there's not a lot of terrain services out there. Mm -mm. Um, like off the top of my head, I was trying to think, and other than like Matt at Titan Terrain Studio, who we interviewed on the podcast last year, um, the number of terrain studios in the U.S. are really small. Um, the ones who specialize on terrain, there's a couple that come to mind, um, but they're they're pretty limited. Yeah. And I think what we're hopefully going for is kind of like with our painting levels, we're going to have levels of terrain. So you'll have simple terrain packages for clients that are just looking for something to get on the table. And then you can do a high-end terrain package for clients that are looking like, you know, if they want to match the level of detail from the Krieg board or from the Seraphon board, but on a whole table, 
then essentially the budget will be will be matching those. Right. We're also going to add in stuff like custom made tiles if you want to do your own game board tiles, kind of like a la the game boards from um, GW where they do their their realm of battle board. Right. But we're going to do it more like, um, you know, kind of like how we did the, the the boards for the terrain or for the display boards, like you know, two by two tiles, two by two tiles, together. right. <laughs> some modularity, hopefully, in some cases, yeah. that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, terrain is going to be one of our big ones that we like to get into this year, hopefully sooner rather than later. Uh, Patreon, VOD. Um, yeah. So we've big seen one. a huge upswing in Patreon the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess we should talk about that a little bit. So when Patreon first came on the scene, I didn't really get what it was. Yeah, it was kind of a new thing. It wasn't really advertised or marketed very well, from what I can tell. I only knew about it because I started watching Paint and Buddha. Right. And they were like, hey, we're doing Patreon videos. Help support us. And, of course, I was broke, so I couldn't support right. anybody. But um, I think that's when I first heard about it, and I realized that it's designed for artists who want to basically make a living either doing educational stuff or um, showing how they work. Um, so it's... I mean, what's, what's interesting about this is that YouTube came on the scene, you know, whatever, 15 years ago, mm-hmm. and people were then putting up video content for free to, to, to basically uh, boost subscriptions and, in theory, boost sales if they were tying it to a business. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, lots of businesses have made that work. Uh, and then a few years ago, people started expecting payment for VOD. And at first, I thought this wasn't really going to work. But the reality is premium content takes work. Yeah. Um, like, if you're going to do a painting tutorial – a good painting tutorial can take anywhere between 20 to 40 hours. When, by the time you paint the figure, edit the video, you actually have to have someone who knows what they're doing to edit the video. If you work in any sort of Adobe After Effects to make them entertaining, maybe you work in some music. Like, it's a presentation. Mm-hmm. It's not the YouTube, like, uh, you know, just shooting, run and gun shooting, where it's like, you know, that, that day is passed. Like, now people expect higher premium content and so in order to compete, you have to provide that, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Patreon is essentially a means to an end. Like, you can provide a higher stream of content, and people basically don't have to, to pay for it as much as they share the wealth. Yeah. You know, you pay a little bit to get, to get more. So your yeah. subscription could be, like, with some of these guys, 5 10 15 bucks, 15 uh, either a month or a video. Mm-hmm. So you won't go broke. Um, and, and you'll be able to enjoy their work, and they will in turn be supported and be able to continue to create it. Right. So I, th- I think it's a really cool idea. Essentially, it's it's made artists you can get it you can you can make it a job again. Yeah. You know? I mean, if you want to teach somebody how to draw, for instance, like you can do a video and give people the basic techniques, get more and more advanced, and somebody can pay, I don't know, a couple of dollars per video is generally what it equals right. to. And and not just miniature entire, stuff, but any yeah. any art really. Yeah design, video design, game design, all that stuff. So if you have a desire to teach and you want to make some money, then it's a great tool for that. Now, um, so with Patreon, we're gonna, our plan is to launch a channel. Um, we're starting to develop some content now. Um, so we're going to basically do a painting channel on Patreon. So we're going to use Patreon as a platform for that. Uh, and then our YouTube channel will be more about like stuff like uh, tutorial videos, battle reports, mm-hmm. um, quick tips of the day, tactics videos, that kind of stuff. So we're going to use YouTube as a separate platform. So using the platforms for different things. And then Twitch, if Patreon is kind of like a well-prepared presentation, I'd say Twitch is kind of like its dark brother. Yeah. It's essentially like 
streaming. Spontaneous. It's spontaneous. Like. It's streaming. It's spur of the get moment. Get the raw footage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And some people have really made that work. I, I yeah. think that Frontline has really done a good job with Twitch. Mm-hmm. Um, like they've managed to you go it is subscription based um, and well, they can subscribe you so there's can. rewards for subscri- subscribers right. um, so there's a good balance to it if you want to watch it for free you can if you don't then you can I think people like being uh, and I don't have a time to do this but I think people like being a part of something as it's being broadcast because mm-hmm. then they can type in questions people can answer on air live mm-hmm. so you're you're involved in the experience it's kind of like being at the club remotely yeah you know it's kind of neat so, or being like the equivalent of like a, a call-in person on a radio show, I suppose. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Pretty neat. Um, so we're hoping to launch um, Patreon by spring, Twitch by fall. Uh, YouTube has already – we've already been putting a lot more content on YouTube, and we plan to continue to do so all, all winter. Uh, and then hopefully by summer we've got everything up and running. So lots of, lots of video this year. Mm-hmm. That's one of our big goals this year. And I don't, I don't know if you want to like pose this question or not, um, but – to people who are listening and if they are interested in the Patreon like tutorials, like what would you guys be interested in watching us paint, I guess, or learning yeah, how to sure. paint? Um, so our ideas are we want to make it approachable so that anybody can learn how to do it, not something that's too advanced. Yeah, one um, of the things we, we batted around, and I think this is a, is a good point, we, we obviously, we are a, as a painting commission service, we use every tool at our disposal. Mm-hmm. Much like a carpenter uses a nail gun, we use an airbrush to do a lot of the heavy lifting. Yeah. We lay down a lot of our base coats and our highlights and our shades with airbrushing. But most people don't use airbrushes, to be frank. Like they use brushes. It's expensive. It's expensive. You don't know how to use it. it's, it's, There's a learning it's curve. Yeah. So because of all of that, um, one of the decisions we made was that we would limit Patreon basically to brush, mm-hmm. or at least only airbrush for like the base coat like the base coat or something something that they could do by brush that we're essentially just taking a uh we're just we're just we're just simplifying it Mm -hmm. Um, but for most people i think that they they want to learn how to paint when you watch an airbrush project it's a little unapproachable Um, it can be yeah well at least for for the average painter right like that's like the equivalent if i look at someone like um i don't even know um like if i watch rachel ray do a, a cooking video I say this because my wife watches cooking videos all the time. She makes it very approachable, like yeah. anyone can do it. Right. Whereas if you do like, uh, you know, like like a cooking show, like um, Top Chef, and those guys are using all these crazy techniques, I don't, I don't know how to do that. Right. Like so, you know, to make it to to basically to paint to the crowd we have, uh, and we have. You're right. We have a lot of stuff we want to paint, but I'd I'd be very curious to see what our listeners want us to paint. Mm-hmm. So. so I guess. I, start off we're thinking about going with blood bowl first a blood bowl team there's some hype on it yeah um, so because of the hype we would definitely want to dive in so we're going to start off the first that we're going to do is the skaven bright skaven blight scramblers mm-hmm. which is just fun to say really yeah. um, they're amazing models too yeah so they're very well detailed very well sculpted um and val actually did like a mini display board with them too yeah 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 so cool. we're going to present them on a finished like so i guess it's like an eight by eleven yeah that sounds right yeah, so that'll, that'll look nice, and they'll be easily to – you can easily cart them around. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we played around with the idea at one time of maybe giving them away, but we haven't quite figured out what our perks will be yet. Yeah. So I guess for all of those who are interested in our Patreon channel, we would love to hear some of your suggestions for uh, perks, so to yeah. speak. Like, obviously, you, you will pay a subscription to watch the content, um, but different channels have different things. Some people give away stuff. Some people – uh, do this or that or the other. One thing I played around with was like maybe like discounts on services, that kind of stuff. Uh, 
but really we're open-minded at this point. We're conceptualizing the channel. So this is the planning stage. It's the ground floor. If you have any suggestions, we would love to hear them. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So VOD notwithstanding, we're also going to move into a trade-in buyout program. Uh, this one I'm a little on the fence about because other services have tried this and there's really mixed results out there. Mm-hmm. So by what I mean by trade-in buyout is that we have consignment, which is basically where people send us in their stuff and we sell it through our eBay store. That's been very successful. We get more of those projects every year and people liquidate their collections through us. The problem with consignment is that it's it takes time. Yeah. Some models set for six months, a year in some cases. Mm-hmm. So yet finding the right buyer versus the price you want to move it at, that's that's the problem. It's the opposite of auction, where you like sell it in a week or so and you just get what you get. With consignment, it's essentially like it sets it in the store until someone finds it and buys it. Um, so the trade-in program is designed to be the opposite of that. It's basically that we will give you a trade-in or a credit on your stuff, um, generally at about 25% of face value. Um, and that allows you to get the credit faster, but at a much more aggressive low rate. And uh, to put that in context, if a model retails for $100, we're gonna offer you 25. The reason for that is, is because we have to resell that. And there's time and fees associated with that, and shipping costs, that kind of thing. And, and so this isn't really designed for brand new retail stuff. It won't work well for that. For that, consignment's a better fit. This is more for people that have collections of older stuff they're looking to get rid of. Bits boxes are looking to, to get rid of, that kind of stuff. Um, um, old paints, old paint brushes. Like, really, like, essentially, if you're just looking to liquidate old collections, we'll give you a, a trade credit offer on your collection. You are welcome to refuse it. You certainly don't have to take it. And if you don't like the trade credit offer, you can certainly um, ask us to consign it instead. Um, But one of the things with this is essentially like we get a lot of people contacting us about old models if we want to buy them. We had to develop a metric for it, and this is kind of the direction we went. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lots of people do something like this. Blue Table has something like this. Frontline has something like this. Certainly on eBay, if you type in Space Marines used, you'll see a million stores that that resell. And uh, essentially like we're we're trying to get into that game. Um, so we want to we want to get into this. If you're interested in trading and buying out some stuff, just contact us at info at whitemetalgames.com. But just be forewarned, it's a new program. It hasn't launched yet. So right now we're kind of still we've got the basic the basic plan is up, uh, and we have the basic rates. But it is aggressive. I mean, essentially, the, you're going to get a credit faster, but the the, the sacrifice is price. Right. Uh, so you have to be willing to accept. You know, it's essentially yard sale is what it is. Mm-hmm. So for some of our clients that have a hard time selling stuff on their own, this is, I think, the perfect opportunity. Because if you go to Facebook, there's a lot of places where they're like buy, sell, trade sites where you can buy, sell, trade anything. Uh, in fact, we interviewed this guy last November that was doing his own site for that. I can't remember what the name of it is right now. Was the guy in Nova? Yeah, no, that wasn't him. It was right either before or after that. Mm-hmm. But he was starting up a trade site. And the idea was... The Vindicator? Uh, it's something like that. It starts with a V. Yeah, Vindicator. Vindic- Vindic- You're thinking of the assassin right now. Yeah, Vindi- uh, Vindica, I think it's Vindica. Vindica, yeah, yeah, Vindica. And I haven't actually checked in on them recently to see how they're doing. He's doing a lot of stuff. I've yeah. seen he's also like, he now has like a commission thing up if you want to like commission artists to do That's stuff. great. Problem is that <laughs> I looked at some of the things that they put. You're, you're basically bidding against the people who, you know, just do it on the side. So yeah. people are like, I want like top quality painting for this character for fifty dollars. 
Yeah. And you're like, ah, uh, sorry, no, yeah, that's exactly. not gonna happen. I mean, it's so ambiguous to what top quality is for that mm-hmm. matter. But we definitely, I, we definitely run it. I, I stopped trying to bid against college kids years ago. Yeah. Like the reality is they'll always come in cheaper. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I had a, I have a, I had a bad experience recently. I subcontract out once in a blue moon. If I want to do a test run on something, but I don't necessarily have the time to do it myself, once in a while I'll I'll subcontract out another service. So I'll hire another service that has lower rates than we do to do a test run on something, mm-hmm. just to see if there's a market for it. Um, and, and in this case, I, I test ran a board game, and sent him the board game back in like October, and haven't heard back from him in about ten weeks. Um, wow. And he, he initially contacted me to say that he had done some of the work. He'd sent me a few work in progress pictures. It was looking okay. It was, it was coming along. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was it. Then 10 weeks later, I never heard from him. And so now, I mean, fortunately, I didn't send him a lot. I sent him, uh, it, was a, it was Zombicide. So okay. it was 50 bucks. It wasn't hardly a lot of models. Right. But it's, it's one of those worst case scenarios you don't want to have happen where they take your models and they haven't responded. Now, maybe there's something going on. Maybe there's a family emergency. Maybe he's been in a car wreck for all I know, and he's in yeah. a coma. I have no idea. But more likely than not, it's probably life circumstances have gotten in the way, and he hasn't been able to respond. Uh, and that's the paradigm you run into with newer services, is like they can accept, like anything, if they paint, if they paint for cheap, it means they undervalue themselves. Completely, yeah. And that means that they're, sacrif- they're not going to put it on a priority. So, like, I ran into this the other day. A guy contacted us, and he said he had been used to paying $5 a model. I was like, well, you should definitely keep with that guy because <laughs> we don't do that at all. Yeah. There's nothing – we don't – we don't – there's nothing we offer at $5 a model. No. I, there's barely – we would barely assemble a model at $5, let alone, like, paint it at $5. Um, so it's a challenge. Uh, and there's – that's the problem is there's no, like, metric to the system. So people – prices are all over the board. So if you compare us to let's say the the kid down the street who works out of his, you know, bedroom, of course our prices are going to be different. Right, right. Like of course they're going to be nice. And this is like hardly news. We've talked about this many many yeah. times on the show before. Um, but anyway, we're we're way off topic now. But <laughs> bottom line is um, quality is, is you get what you pay for. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're paying a kid five dollars to paint your models and they take six months, that's what you paid for. Yeah. You know. So anyway, all right, where were we? Uh, trade and buyout. All right. So next up, we're going to talk about uh, Titan Rentals and tandem commissions. We briefly mentioned this earlier. So the idea with Titan Rentals is that people don't play Apocalypse that often, right? Right. But the models are phenomenal. They're really, really cool. So the basic notion here is that we will have studio Titans and people can rent them. We will mail them to them uh, and they can mail them back, basically. Mm-hmm. Now, we haven't worked out all the the phonetics yet because obviously the risk is hey i just got a reaver for rental fees yeah <laughs> so more likely than not the way this will go is at a con if we go to a convention you can rent them at the convention for a very small stipend and we'll probably like i don't know take your credit card authorization so that if for whatever reason you walk off with it we can bill your credit card yeah uh, but other than that like essentially with like titan rentals by mail i think what we probably do is something like we would bill you for the whole titan and then when you return it, we refund the difference of, of the rental. So if you kept it for like a few weeks or a month, if it's paid for by the week, X amount of dollars later, right. that's the fee. Um, so what I'm hoping will happen is that people will like the Titans and some of them will want to keep them. And then we just sell them yeah. and then we make a new one. 
Um, but it's still kind of a new thing. I, I've been thinking about that recently, like how, how to make this work. Um, but I, I like the idea. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just not for sure about how the details will work out. We're still having to figure it out. Got to be somewhere to. I mean, shipping is really not that expensive. Frankly. Rental agencies, or right. Something that can rent out, like kayaks or something like that, like sure. a boat or I don't know. There's got to be yeah, a way to rent it out. Like anything like that, I'm sure there are people that steal the kayak. Mm -hmm. So that's the risk, right? Is that the kayak right. gets stolen? Uh, but in most cases, I, I'd like to think that people bring the kayak back. Uh, but in this case, the kayak is like literally, we could ship to a guy in California or something like that, and then we may never see it again. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Maybe we'll have to test this out with a small Titan. Like a, a, a warhound or something, which is still yeah. not a cheap type. <laughs> none yeah. of them are cheap, but we'll give it a, we'll give it a go. We'll see how it works. Um, so Titan Rentals, tandem commissions. We talked about this briefly earlier. We won't get into it too much, but the idea is that you will be a part of a group of people all over the country or the world even that commission the same models painted in the same color scheme. So Death Watch, we'll use that as a classic example. Uh, you probably want your Death Watch to look like Death Watch. So yeah. that means that we can all paint them to the same basic color scheme uh, to varying levels based on your budget. You only have to book one or two units. And if enough people book it to get over a certain price point, you'll get a discount. So mm -hmm. this will kind of be like the new version of Battle Brothers, so to speak. Um, whereas the, the older Battle Brothers discount was kind of going away. So this is kind of like our new version of that. And we've had a decent amount of them. Um, sorry. Uh, we have a decent amount of people who've already signed up for that, right? There's for the... Zinch, I think, or a thousand suns. We've got a few people, and we've got a few people for the Death Watch too. So yeah, we're just lacking. I don't know how many. Well, I mean, the thing is, we got from the Magnus contest, we got plenty of interest. Uh, the mm -hmm. question is whether or not those people will actually book. In okay. the same way that I find, I find a grocery store and I see like a candy bar. Yeah, I'd like it, but I might not buy it. Mm -hmm. So the question will be when we go to set this up, how many of those people will actually book? And that's we can't know that until we set it up. Right. So I think for me, when I get to about 100 people interested, I'm going to go ahead and try to set it up. Because okay. what I don't want to do is like jump the gun. Right. Um, when I have like 10 people interested in the Tandem Commission, that's just not enough. Yeah. Like we would need all of those to book, and we know that's not going to happen. But with like the Titan Rentals, when we have 30 people interested, that's enough that I'm, I'm ready to like start to look into it. Mm -hmm. Like now, now I know there's a, there's a client base. And that's like 30 out of the 70 entries we've had. So that's a pretty good base. Yeah. That means at least half of them are casually interested. So that's something I feel like I can pursue with some, with some energy. Uh, okay, uh, battle reports and YouTube content. We talked about that a little bit earlier on the show. We're just going to briefly say that we're going we're gonna to jump into that, hopefully full steam. Mm -hmm. The battle reps we've been asking ourselves about for a while, and the problem is really it's, it's not a question of can we do it. It's a question of the time commitment is that every time you do a battle re report, like someone has to edit the video. It takes hours to shoot the video. You need multiple cameras to do it. People don't think about that. When they actually do a video, like um, some people have made it look fairly easy, but the reality is like it takes some work. Mm -hmm. Like uh, when Mini Wargaming, that's one of their big things is they put out battle reports all the time. There's gotta be at least one full-time video editor there just yeah, cutting videos easily. all day. They're doing like two videos a day, I think. Yeah, that's amazing. So basically, they're a full-time game shop where they just play all day, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, but you know, you don't think about the resources that are committed to that. That's somebody's job yeah. to edit those videos, and we just haven't had the budget to do that in the past. Now we have a little bit more budget to work with, and so we can start to pursue it. So we're going to try to get into that um, early this year. In fact, Jonathan and I have a game scheduled next week. We're going to do a, a renegade game, so okay. we're going to do a night-on-night -night battle, kind of give it a whirl. Sweet. Yeah. 
Um, okay. Uh, also up, uh, we're going to be, I talked about this briefly on episode 39, the mentoring program. So that's something that we're going to kind of kick off this year. Occasionally we have people that ask us about uh, just the back end of service, how to do their own services, how to do their own commissions. Uh, and we get the questions enough that I felt like it was worthwhile to develop a service package. So if people are interested in doing that, um, we'll have a way to do it, a means to contact us, and a pricing system. So for not only like Skype chats and website evaluations, but also um, if people wanted to come in and sort of do painting for a day, see the ins and outs of what it is to be a studio, the kind of like, I think band camp is a bad way to put it, but like <laughs> paint camp might be a good way to put it, you know? A lot of these studios seem to do that. Um, you look at like Big Child, like they have classes in their studio and they have, I don't know how many people will come and they'll teach. Like That's as awesome. they're doing, they'll do the live demonstrations, you'll be able to see how they work. Um, so that would be awesome if we could do something. We've like experimented that. with classes in the past at game stores, and frankly, we just never had much of it. It didn't have, we didn't have any success mm -hmm. with it. But I think that, like all things, it, it comes down to partially comes down to facilities. Mm -hmm. Like I'm sure Big Child has a facility to, to do that. Yeah, their know. studio space is big. Yeah, it's very professional, sleek, yeah. like everything. We're not, they're not like in a game store local right. teaching. Yeah. So, so I think that with. On that note, um, one of the things we're trying to do it come summer is we're trying to move facilities. Mm -hmm. um, one of our big goals this year is to um, get out of the garage band style we've been doing. So when I first started off the service, it was um, I worked out of my home. Now we work in two separate homes, basically. Mm -hmm. We have two garage spaces that we use as, one is basically storage and workshop. Mm -hmm. One is my personal studio, and then you guys work out of your home. Um, so we're kind of spread out. And so the goal come summer is to consolidate. Um, and hopefully, if all things work out, uh, Spiky Bits, which is based out of Fayetteville, North Carolina, which you guys know is a huge blog, we've, we're, talking, we're in talks with them to sort of combine spaces. Yeah. Um, and then if that works out, we'll have kind of a consortium of painters and artists um, mm -hmm. in kind of a shared space where we can share resources. Yeah. So, you know, for example, we know that Spiky Bits likes to do a lot of battle reports. So we can share tables. We can share terrain packages. We can share armies. And that will that'll give us instant access to, um, you know, frankly, things that we both need and use. Mm -hmm. that's, that's the goal, at least. That's the idea. Um, so it's still in the works. Nothing definitive yet. But essentially, we're in, we're in early talks. And the early talks are, yeah, we both need more space. And, yeah, we're both close together. So yeah, this could this could work. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, but I'm I'm very hopeful. Um, Rob over at Spiky Bits has been very amenable to this idea so far. Mm -hmm. So that's the goal. The goal is to team up and save a little money, but also expand operations. Yeah. Okay. Uh, is there anything else to touch base on? Let's see. Um, oh, okay. Well, um, so we'll just briefly gloss over this because I know we're running a little long on time. So one of the things that we're hoping to do with that with that uh, consortium that or that place would be kind of like uh, basically like a player's retreat so essentially kind of in the same way you go to a game store to play you would come into our our space to play oh, so you could uh, <laughs> sorry guys our cat just jumped up on the table we're recording at home today uh, so essentially you could book uh, a table you could come in and you'd pay a flat fee per month like 20 25 bucks a month and you'd have nice terrain, nice tables to play on. Plus, you'd see our operation from the back end. You could talk to us about your projects, get painting tips and techniques. Mm -hmm. um, and then maybe even we could start scheduling classes like Big Child does. That'd, That'd be, be really awesome. neat. We could yeah. do like, like how, kind of like how Home Depot does their DIY classes. 
you could do like, yeah, a, yeah. like a PIY, a paint it yourself class. So. Well, I feel like maybe this is going into too much, but I feel like it could be kind of a similarity between like what many wargaming does as well. I mean, they basically bring in people to do games, but at the same time, you're also getting to see even more like how to paint this army, how to paint such and such. Yeah, I mean, they're um, kind of like people. People kind of go there like a pilgrimage almost. Mm-hmm. Denny went there, and he cannot shut up about it. Like I he know. will not stop talking about <laughs> how fun it, it was. So um, and I think with Denny, he just likes playing. Yeah, he's, like he's, his, he, he loves the games. Like his number one thing is playing. He would rather play any day of the week. Yeah, they um, just went out to uh, Atomic Empire to play Blood Bowl. Yeah, which from Raleigh is a bit of a haul. It's like an hour from yeah. where we are. So. And from where he is, it's even worse because yeah. he <laughs> has to come here, pick up. He took Jonathan with him, yeah. so he picked up Jonathan. Then they went there played then they came back then he had to drive back to his house yeah. in like wherever the hell he is somewhere it's a long know. day yeah it's a long day for him for sure but he, i think that for him it's a, it's a nice release yeah um okay so those are all the new things we're planning uh this year coming up uh, we do have some new specials and some new discount prices we're going to talk about in the future but for today we're going to kind of put a pin in it just to say that uh, our pricing models are going to change just a little bit this year not a lot but essentially some of the older specials are going away some of the specials we tried out are going to stay. Uh, Radio Silence was a big hit last half of the year. So we're going to keep that one, and we're going to try some new stuff out this year. So if you're interested in commissioning with us, uh, now is a great time because we're going to be trying out some new pricing models, and some of them have some really cool incentives behind them. So mm-hmm. we'll get into that a little bit more on the next show. All right, well, we're going to take a, a quick break, and we'll jump in with our One Minute Rancher Gush right after this. If you're interested in advertising on War Council, let us know. We can be reached at warcouncil at whitemetalgames.com. Rates are extremely competitive, but there are limited slots available, so please contact us soon. Hey guys, we're going to jump in with our one-minute rant or gush tonight. I think we both have gushes this evening. Yeah. Um, so uh, I'll start it off. Uh, Lord of Change is coming out, and he's a cool-looking kid. Finally. Really? It's been like a year right. since they started, <laughs> announced him. Rumors or did start about a year ago, yeah. didn't they? I, I guess they kind of started either before or after the Bloodthirster kit came out. I'm not for sure which it was. It was. I mean, the Bloodthirster's been out for like two, two years? Two to three years now. That sounds almost. right. So. so I wonder why he was on ice for so long, actually. I don't know. It took, I mean, the rumors were out. They were like, oh, you've seen pictures and yada, yada, yada. But that was like a year ago. So Now, obviously, we've only seen a few of these early images of him. But he's the, the rumors are he's really big. He looks massive. Yeah. Bloodthirster size. Yep. So he's he probably about bigger. eight inches tall. With the wingspan, it looks like he may even be higher. Yeah, definitely a big figure. Uh, he does supposedly double as a Kairos kit, although we haven't seen the dual option yet. Is it Kairos? Yeah, Kairos Fate Weaver. Fate Weaver, okay. Yeah. I only know Fate Weaver. Yeah. Uh, so we're not he, on the first name basis right. <laughs> with Lord of Change uh, but he's a beautiful looking kit and we're hoping to do a sample of him as soon as he comes out he's one of those kits that we definitely want to jump on that day for sure yeah, um, so he's a fun he's a he's a great looking model the scale is good I do like the, the size I, when I was packing up that night to ship this morning I, I, I just I just kind of had a moment where I was like man the scale of the game has really changed drastically like, within just, the last it's like, so big. couple of years yeah. yeah like now that a knight is like it's becoming a more commonplace size mm-hmm. and when you think about like five years ago ten years ago when the new trigon kit came out and it was like the biggest thing i'd ever seen at that time short of apocalypse mm-hmm. now you think about like the riptide and the storm surge and plat or the town are supremacy Archaeon. armor Archaeon. <laughs> it's all like the whole game is just yeah. it's just ramped up it's like it's so yeah. much bigger now 
um, which I love, frankly. Mm-hmm. For me, it's it's a it's a blast. I wonder if they're doing that for like the older people who need need to be able to hold these bigger. They can't see them anymore. Too small. Yeah, they can't paint the details are too tiny, so they don't need it. That's actually not a bad idea. Like if they're older crowd, they're like, well, we better make them bigger so Charlie there can paint the thing. His hands aren't as good as they used to be. Yep. All right. Well, that was my gush. What do you gush on? Um, so, for me, uh, this is sort of like a hobby tip, but we've talked about like the light source or the lighting that you have when you're um, you're working on painting or building whatever, and how important it is to have good ample lighting. So, uh, for Christmas, I basically got myself a new lamp, um, and it's it's awesome. It's huge. It's um, so you got, I pulled it up here in my order number and everything, so you guys could. Look this up. I bought it on Amazon. It's called the Daylight Triple. Oh, of course it goes off right there. Just the Daylight Triple dot dot dot. But um, essentially it's a. Uh, I want to say it's about a foot long. It has four. Or the lamp itself is about a foot long. It has four halogen tubes that go across the whole thing. So it's tons of light. Um, it's the neck of it. It's uh, It's like one of those that has multiple arms or whatever so it can yeah, extend so up and down it, and you, you can rotate you can everything. rotate it to the position you want you can position mm-hmm. it how you like yeah so it goes up to about three feet high wow um so it's not so it's over it's not in your face not at all no. but it could be if you need to get yeah. down low exactly so um it's about a hundred dollars uh it's a little more expensive than maybe your average lamp but it's totally worth it so um it's the daylight triple bright lamp so I, I think awesome it's great. Stuff. It's really yeah. professional looking for one thing. It's a lot of light and it's mm-hmm. it's controlled. It's kind of like it's a pool of light. So yeah. it doesn't scatter everywhere and it looks nice. It's daylight balance, so it's appropriate. Um, and on top of that, it's just like it's it's enough light. Yeah. It's, like one of the things is when you think about how often you paint, if you paint in a dark room, for example, your eyes are, are constantly straining mm-hmm. and that hurts your eyes long term longevity you know you want to think about if you're going to be in the hobby for many 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 years decades even you know anything you can do to reduce strain is good exactly yeah so anytime like if you can find something that makes your life a little easier magnifiers better lighting whatever always a good idea yeah so the hundred dollars will be worth it long term because you know you won't kill your eyes exactly yeah Yeah. and it is a cool blue light so it's not like there's no yellow tint to it maybe it has a light that's tight or uh, bluish tint to it, mm-hmm. but for the most part, it's it's pretty much daylight. Yeah. So it's or, uh, daylight bulbs. So right. it's perfect. That I mean, it's nice. We'll definitely yeah. put a link to it in the show notes, mm-hmm. uh, so if people are interested in it, they'll they'll be able to paint under the same light that Philip. Oh has. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we're gonna take a quick break, and we're gonna jump into our outro right after this. Are you a tabletop quality painter in the Raleigh area with ten hours or more a week to spare? Have you ever thought about becoming a commissioned painter before, but you weren't sure it was right for you? White Metal Games is looking for talented painters in the Raleigh area to join our studio team. You're paid by the job, not by the hour, so you can paint at your own pace. Send us pictures of your painted models to info at whitemetalgames.com, and we just might be interested in speaking with you. Put your minis where your mouth is. All right, guys, that is it for the day. We are out of here. Um, I keep trying to get the shows to run under an hour but it never happens anymore we always have more to talk about than an yeah. hour's worth of content well we go off on our tangents we do talk about now that's uh, okay i secretly <laughs> think that like yeah, that was a really tangent <laughs> I, I secretly think that people really like the tangents but I, maybe i'm wrong maybe they're I, just I like get so. back to the painting Shut up. yeah <laughs> you're an idiot no one cares <laughs> 
uh, but regardless of which uh so this has been episode 42 next time on the show i honestly i reached out to a couple people mm. um and we don't have a show set up quite yet we uh we reached out to meg maples from arcane paintworks and we've got a show set up with her and her husband mark but that's not till february so we have one more episode to fill in between there so if someone has an idea for a guest or something they'd like us to talk to on the show contact us at info at mailgames.com let us know who you'd like us to talk to, and we'll be happy to reach out to them. We reached out to a couple people, and they just didn't get back to us. And it could be that their old Gmail accounts are closed, but it could be that they just simply are like, yeah, I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not for sure which one it is. But regardless of which, we, we have an opening. So if there's anyone out there that wants to talk about a new product, new promotion, maybe you're a commission painter trying to, to boost your service, maybe you're a, a hobby service that you're trying to push a new product, mm-hmm. It's fine. Just contact us at yeah. info@monogames.com. We're never picky. Like we'll, we we literally want to talk to just about anybody, and as long as it's something in the industry, something relatable. Like, great. Let's dive in. It's tax season. If you're a tax accountant, that's true. <laughs> I suppose could, we could do. Uh, give us some advice Jesus, on taxes. Don't remind me it's tax season. <laughs> like you don't you don't think about there. this, but when your business gets to a certain point, taxes become a real chore. Yeah. Like they were a chore before. Now they're like crazy. At least you have an accountant. Yeah, so that's I'm true. Sure that helps. I have two accountants, not really. Uh, but regardless of which, just a fancy uh, guy. Oh two accountants. God, yeah. well, I pay for those two accountants. <laughs> so don't get too excited. Yep. All right. Well, we're gonna uh, sign off for the day. Uh, and with War Council, my name is Caleb Dillon, and I'm Phil Corman. And nope. <laughs> Till next time, put your minis where your mouth is. See ya.